0: Hello, listeners. In this episode, I'm speaking with Helena, who was born in what used to be called Czechoslovakia, now known as Czechia or the Czech Republic. Now, migrants from Czechoslovakia have made quite a significant mark in Tasmania, most notably in the cheese making and wine industries. Many Czechs joined the waves of Central and Eastern Europeans who migrated to Australia en masse in the 50s and 60s. Later on, many also migrated, fleeing communism. In 1989, Czechoslovakia divided into two parts, now known as Czechia or the Czech Republic and Slovakia. I hope you enjoy hearing a bit more about the challenges and experiences faced by an enterprising Czech migrant who left Czechoslovakia in the 1980s during a particular turbulent time in the country's history.
1: I was born in uh, Czechoslovakia then in a regional town, which is about the size of Hobart, Hradec Králové, and it has about 120,000 people. So my mum was 19 then, and it was quite unusual at that time and uh, so i was mainly raised by my grandparents so i've got very fond memories of living with my parents, grandparents in a mountain area in an old german farmhouse it was germans who left after uh, the second world war and it was building without running water and electricity so <laughs> I've got fond memories of my father, you know, lighting the gasoline light and grandfather Mm -hmm. and getting the water from the well, which was about 15 meters from the house and so on. But it was nice, different lifestyle.
0: How long were you living in that area?
1: On and off before I went to school. So uh, primary school I started when I was seven years old and then uh, started to live with my mom in the city.
0: Okay. And how is the city life different from what you'd experienced?
1: Oh, that? running water, warm water. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Fridge. <laughs> I remember a little child really disliking, there was a once a week shopping, my grandfather would go to the village with backpack and would come home with meat and dairy products and... First couple of days, that was great. But after that, it started to smell and was not very tasty. <laughs> <laughs> it's, so as a child, I remember, you know, moving back to with my mom, having a really fridge and electricity and warm water and um, all the luxury of city living and mm. going to school. Yeah, But my grandparents, they didn't live there permanently in the mountains. Okay. It was... Just uh, over the summer, during during winter, we were not there. So they were living in the city as well.
0: And so what, what period was that? Was that before the or during the communist era? Ah, and-
1: uh, that was during the communist era. I was born 1957, so it was under control of communists. So my grandfather, he s- suffered greatly. And uh, he was sent to different jobs because during Second World War he was, or even even before the the war, he was uh, working in jail as warden, warden in jail. Okay. And um, so he continued the work when Germans arrived. They led him to work there. And, uh, and, you know, the friends and my grandma, she said that he was always looking, you know, after people who were in jail. But because he was still in contact with Germans, Mm -hmm. he, after the war finished, he just was sent to dig drenches and so on. So very hard jobs, physical jobs. Okay. He had several heart attacks and then he died quite early Hmm. yeah so yeah so i was growing up in knowing that communists were people to be aware of (laughs) yeah
0: Yeah, of course yeah and so how was it going um, what was school like at that time i have very good memories of going to primary school
1: and and high school, and at the, towards the end of high school, we all knew that we have to comply with rules mm-hmm. and that we had to be allowed by communists to study. So we had to do all the voluntary work on farms and, and working and helping and being seen as a people who, who are allowed to study. Mm-hmm. So um, I wanted to study veterinary science. So we had to have many exams and, and references and so on. So and had to study hard to to get to that. So I was uh, I studied veterinary science. I did not have that much of influence by Communist Party. Then I just knew that we all had to push yeah. and it's, obey. <laughs>
0: yeah, you had to, you had to kind of fall in line. Yes, yeah, Otherwise, yeah. Otherwise, yeah. bad things would happen.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah. But later on, after I finished study, I was working as a farm manager, and then uh, several things. It is amazing to see the links which influence your life. Yeah and the intersections which really changed life completely. So at that point my life changed completely because I was married. We had a son with my husband. We were working in a place which we really loved in that village where my grandparents' cottage was in mountains. Okay. And we we were specialized in horse breeding, we had horses and and it was really quite easy, nice life. Mm -hmm. We were getting on very well with the management. And we could not understand why people would leave because there was, you know, discussion about that people leaving, escaping, and so on. And we lived quite idyllic life in the mountains. And then um, we were getting on very well with our manager, and one day he offered us to buy a property, and that was a property which were, you know, the state property. Okay. And it was old German farmhouse as well. And he said because we were... Good employees, and he knew that we loved it there. Would we like to buy it? will come very cheaply, it would come just, you know, a few hundred dollars if we can compare now. Right. And basically, given, and we really wanted to do that. We wanted to have own horses, and we had, you know, great plans for the future. So we were so happy. And he he needed approval of the headquarters in Prague and approval of the Communist Party. And as he was driving to Prague, he had a car accident and got killed. Oh, And... Uh, Week after his uh, funeral, uh, the general manager from Prague arrived, and he said that he understands that we were offered to buy the property, but he cannot give it proper, you know, sell it to us, and he oh, just yeah. the contract, and that was it. Yeah. So then uh, the other manager became uh, in a manager of the one who was. Kilt was um, a really very strange man in strong communist party member Mm. and he could see horses as uh, luxury and he said the horses have to go have to go. And we said okay if horses have to go we are going as well. So within couple couple weeks of changing this position we were on a move and ended up in Tasmania <laughs> <Yeah, you're right. laughs> you know after many years. but that was you know if if that person who was actually he was of course as all managers had to be in the Communist party but he was there were some I met really good people, but very very few of them, you know, could survive being good people. So uh, so that started the journey. It's interesting, you know, to see yeah, so in a many, many years because if we got the property, we would stay. If he did
0: not get yeah, killed, would have... we so would So car accidents sort would of changed the whole course of your life in a way. That's
1: right. So if you ask why I am here in Tasmania, I would say because uh, my manager got killed in a car accident Mm. 40 years ago.
0: (laughs) Wow. (laughs) So I I might ask you a bit more about the steps that happened after that to end up in Tasmania. So how did you go about leaving the Czechoslovakia? Because I guess Mm -hmm. movement was restricted at that time. Yes,
1: very much so. My husband was really connected. His family was many hundreds years old farmers. So he was really connected to the land and he would not leave. And um, we found uh, work again, which we really loved with horses and in mountains on the other side of the republic and we started to had really good results we were given uh, full flexibility to start breeding specific horses and uh, after a couple of years we were quite successful and we thought we've you know found our um, haven you know in mountains again and th- some journalists came and, and did interview with us and the interview went, you know into newspaper media and few days after we got knock on our door Mm -hmm. to members of Communist Party saying well you're doing very well but we realized you are not in communist uh, you know party members you are not in in Communist Party so it does not work like that you have to be you know Communist Party members right and we just laughed because we thought, you know, we are having good results, we are in mountains, we've got no harm to done it to anyone and we're just focusing on horses. But it continued for several months to the point that they, they would be coming at night. Mm. 11 o'clock at night two people knocking on the door saying here this you sign this and then threatening you know you it's easy you know to remove you from the job your kids will not you had two sons at the time your boys will not get to study at all you know you will lose your jobs you will that was always you will sweep you know the footpath in a city somewhere mm. you will not be working with horses you just have to sign and that was you know so blatant that you know it, it gets to you after a few months and i was crying and i was really and then i said i i can't stand this we just have to go my husband was very reluctant he did not want to go but my auntie and uncle were in tasmania i was hoping that, you know, we could connect with them. And then we did through other friends. So the steps were we would not be able to to leave. We had to sign. So we signed to become a members, waiting members of the Communist Party. Mm-hmm. And we signed in February, I think it was February. And we said okay but we want to have a holiday in croatia Mm -hmm. and to have a holiday in croatia you had to have references or permission from your employer from police from your city council and from neighbor and we said we we need we want to go (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) to have a holiday we didn't have holiday you know ever we want to take our boys to see the sea it had to be signed by manager, by CEO of oh, the forest company. And he was, he, he was not signing it, signing it. And we had to go and, you know, get the holiday and, and, uh, you know, booked. And so one day I went to see to his office and he was at the meeting and I said, it's really urgent. You know, it's really agent. And uh, his secretary let me in, and he, in front of other five people. is said, of course, of course, I'll sign it. But, you know, hopefully you are not going to escape. Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> and he said, of course, you know, that. we've got the horses, you know, family here. And then my husband had to go and sleep overnight on the street to get in the office because there was just one travel agency Office his clothes and everyone who wanted to go, wanted to go overseas, had mm. to queue there for a long, long time. With all the paperwork and the references, Even there, he slept on a
0: path. Oh <laughs>
1: <laughs> with other people. So we got in. And when, when we got in, they were able to give us or provide permission, you know, to leave the okay. Republic. But we had to apply for visa which that we are going to have. We are going on holiday. So we applied for, you know, the police and we didn't get visa. We did not get permission to take our youngest son with us. Okay. So we got permission, two of us, taking our oldest son, which he was five years old, but the youngest one had to stay home. And that was as a warranty that we would come back. That was, mm-hmm. you know, usual <clears throat> way, what, how it was done before. So, so we had problem on our hands. We would not talk about our plan to escape unless it was late at night in a bathroom with running water in bathtub so we were so hyper vigilant about that someone would listen to us and we knew that our neighbor who was living few hundred meters away from us was police informer and and we were so afraid that if you know someone would say you know a word we would Mm. not be able to go so we planned so no one knew and we decided that I will ask my best friend to go to apply for holiday in Croatia as well. So, okay. so I went to see her and I said that we want to leave, we, we want to go to Tasmania and would she be willing, if, I, if we buy holiday for her, would she be willing to go and apply for visa? So she would go with her daughter, the oldest daughter, and our son, and her husband and her oldest son, younger son would stay at home, so it would not be any problem. So she did, and she got the visa for our younger son. We had, you know, the form which was just a piece of paper saying that he is allowed to travel to Croatia. He was four years old. No one had to know we were just acting as normal, that we are going just for a couple of weeks to Croatia to have a holiday. None of our family knew, no one really knew. It was so difficult to see my parents for the last time, about a week before we, we went Mm. So, yeah, we packed a couple of suitcases and sat in the car and drove off.
0: Because at that time, I guess you wouldn't know that you may never be able to come back to Czechoslovakia. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think we were so focused and so desperate to leave because we wanted a better future for our boys. We left everything behind, everything except, you know, (laughs) those suitcases. at the borders, we were stopped. Mm. And then we thought that maybe they were just trying to look for something to stop us. They were definitely suspicious. And if it was because we were one of the first going across the border, 18th of May, 1985. Okay. And because we wanted to go, you know, ASAP, just just go. So that was the first day when people were allowed to leave Republic for holiday,
0: okay, she <laughs> so got in early.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah. So on the on the border they were searching. They took seats from the car, undid the doors, took everything from our suitcases, and and they were looking at um, anything which could prove that you know we want to escape. Mm. When we were leaving, I just wanted to leave the house completely neutral, nothing personal. So I burned every, every personal item oh, wow. I burned. That was like hotel accommodation. And I went through every book, you know, shook the book so there wouldn't be notes or photographs. And I put aside a couple books which I wanted to take with me. And one book I still have. It is called. It was Czech book. You will not escape your punishment. Okay, was the you know criminal stories. Mm-hmm. And on the border when they they were searching, they took the book and shook it, and there was a piece of paper with address of my auntie in Hobart.
0: Oh,
1: and I nearly got heart attack. But I had to <laughs> pretend everything is fine. And they picked it up look at that and put it back you know in the book and then they locked us in a room and i with everything and and i had that feel of doing something you know just taking it and eating it all you know <laughs> something and i just thought no, no no i just i just have to leave it leave it leave it and after after about half an hour the officers came back and first they went for the book and they opened the book and find found the note mm. and i was thinking about what would i say if i would, <laughs> if i ate the note, <laughs> and they would be looking for it so they knew they knew and they they were asking why you know what's the note and i said it's just you know address of my auntie who lives overseas and and i can't remember her address so i just wrote the address in a note and because there were no mobile mobile phones with yeah. notes and everything, anything, yeah. so that was quite raising. and we were there for hours and they let us go eventually. They went through twice through everything and they let us go and I could not stop crying for hours and I, I just could mm. not. It was probably the most stressful situation in my whole life just yeah. to stay there because they could stop us and
0: yeah, put yeah. us in jail Just Your whole life is sort of hanging yes. hanging in the balance yeah, at yeah, that yeah, moment.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah so we went straight to Croatia and we went to UN embassy and they said that we have to we have to go to Austria. So we went to Austrian embassy and uh, they provide us with travel visa, transit visa to Austria, and they told us that we have to go and apply for refugee visa in Treiskirchen, which is suburb of Vienna. So we had to, we had to get to <coughs> Vienna, so, that, you know, go over the mountains. So we arrived to Treiskirchen, we went to to the camp. It was just a, you know normal process. It was like locked in a jail for three weeks, and it was very stressful because we were locked with other 45 people, four level bunk beds you know, female, male, kids, one huge room and without toilet and bathroom. Yeah. So you had to knock on a door if you needed to use anything. So yeah and then families with children were transferred to hostels in country. So from then, after three weeks, when they checked our status, they had to find out if we are not spies or, you know, mm-hmm. criminals. We were transported to a hostel, which was like little hostel in mountain area. With there were families, all of them Czechs and Slovaks, with with kids with children and there we were waiting for a time when we were allowed to travel further, travel to the destination.
0: So when did you find out that you were accepted to come to Australia?
1: It was I think about six or seven months, Okay. it was a long time and we yeah, it was quite stressful as well because we were still scared that, you know, someone could come and put us on track truck and, and take us over the border back to Czechoslovakia. And then we got visa to travel and then we were, uh, flight tickets were paid by some charity and we had to repay them back. Okay. In yeah, I think we were paying about ten dollars a week for a couple of years. We arrived to Hobart on twenty-first of December, okay. nineteen eighty. just before Christmas. That's right.
0: Yes. Okay, you had a good time.
1: <laughs> we were expecting that it's really hot <laughs> and and my auntie and uncle had the wood heater going because we were cold.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So what were your first impressions of Tasmania then?
1: Home, it was incredible. I still feel very emotional when I think about it. You know, leaving, I didn't feel like home. In Czechoslovakia, I felt we were pushed and it was not, you know, the nest. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know, it was some somewhere where I was born, but did not feel safe. Yeah. And then in Austria, yeah, it was stressful and quite traumatic. with you know, other people, it's, things were happening, a lot of different stories and so on. So coming here, it was like coming home yeah right instantly yeah yeah
0: so was it easy to settle in or challenging and what were some of the more challenging things? the language yeah.
1: it was it was challenging because my auntie and uncle they are not rich People. Mm-hmm. And they had kids at that time, three-bedroom house and two kids. So eight people in three-bedroom house was mm. not easy. And, you know, we understood that we had to move out. So we, we moved in with their friend and lived with her for a couple of months. And then we rented privately. And um, my uncle, you know, helped us to apply. At that time, we had uh, the unemployment benefit. Okay. straight away, and the, you know, enrollment in the adult migrant education classes, learning English. So that was our focus for half a year. But it was very difficult not knowing the language, even though mm. we were trying, you know, to learn. We went to classes in Austria. Okay. But it was, yeah, the very inadequate and here we, we felt removed from world and from what is happening around us we didn't have we didn't know anyone here than auntie and uncle and and could not understand you know media newspaper radio tv yeah. you know nothing it was very difficult very difficult yeah. and finding the food, the supermarket, we did not have supermarkets,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: like this in Czechoslovakia. So you did not have choice. You you were just standing in a long queue line and when it was your turn, there was a person behind the counter and yeah. who would give you one of this, one of this, one of this, <laughs> yeah. and a sudden, you know, coming to supermarket and so many choices and not really knowing what is for people and for pets. So I ended up you know, we ended up eating um, dog salami. Oh really? (laughs) My husband at the time he was very depressed Mm. about not having job and not having income. So we would buy you know very very cheap broken furniture second-hand shops and he would fix it and and then he you know we would use it and for many many years and yeah so the challenge is that the most important was the language yeah. and a different yeah that, that democracy and freedom also feeling very restricted because of of the language and not understanding the system and uh, being scared of police. You know, seeing police, my heart would race for many many years when I saw police car or police walking Mm -hmm. in the street. So it took many years to to get used to it. And then we started to feel homesick for you know, okay. friends and, and family and places we knew. So it was interesting. It was, you know, probably after a couple of years when we felt, you know, complete relief from being here in a safe place. Mm-hmm. It was um, changed for fe- wanting to go and visit friends and family again. So after 89, when was the Velvet Revolution, we just wanted to go back and visit, you know, see, not, not permanently, but just we wanted to go back and travel again. You know, in the beginning, that, you know, isolation and getting used to living on very little, mm-hmm. little income, but we were always so grateful always. And compare Tasmanians, compared to Austrians, Mm -hmm. you know, the um, Tasmanians were always so, so friendly and, and helpful and comforting when things were not working well. Compared to Austrians, you know, they were, they did not like having migrants there and they were showing the dislike very much so okay. and openly
0: after sort of those challenges when was the what was the point where you started to feel more comfortable and and what what sort of contributed to that
1: the, having work Definitely. And we were hoping that we will be able to work with horses again, Mm -hmm. but we, we applied for a few jobs, but we found that the farms, the horse farms were owned by family and the horses, you know, the husbandry here was so different to Europe because the horses were, you know, in paddocks, not in stables. Yeah. most of the time. So there was not need for people, you know, to be employed. And just, we applied for a few jobs, but didn't get any. So then through to a friend we met, we were offered a job on a pig farm in Piggery. All right. So we moved to, it was about 25 kilometers away from Hobart. And we were offered, or my husband got offered the job there. So we were very happy. So we were offered accommodation, and in hindsight now, you know, looking at that, we were getting $230 a week. Mm -hmm. My husband was getting you know, the salary. We were paying $140 at that time, rent for the house. And the farmer was getting $220 as a subsidy from government oh, to employers, really. you know. Uh, but we were so happy. And they said that they later on, They could offer me job as well, but I have to, you know, help my husband and prove that I can learn. So for six months, we were basically running the farm and I was working there for free. But I was very grateful. I was Mm -hmm. really happy that I could work and help my husband. And then, you know, I said, we really need more, you know, income. We need something in a way for our boys because everything was very restricted. And I said I reminded that at that time, you know, it was after we got the job after six months, we could communicate in English. After about one year when we went to Tasmania, I said to the farmers, I really need to work, I need to have income. So can I, you know, be employed? You said, you know, you will employ me and and they said, Well it's not as it looks like and we are not in the situation to employ another person and so we can't employ you now so said okay so we have to find work in the city we knew we had to move from the farm and we were looking at renting you know, houses and my husband still had to work full time on a farm, and I was looking at properties. and And I found out, realized that we would actually need to pay less if we purchased a property uh, than uh, renting property, mm. because at that time government was providing subsidy for new homeowners. Okay. So we got, you know, that as we could put it as a deposit for the mortgage. So we bought our first house after just about 15 months mm-hmm. in Tasmania. We paid $35,000 for it. Wow. <laughs> and we moved from the farm to Hobart, to Claremont. So my husband got work at Morilla in winery. And I got job in uh, Cadbury's so I was working for about half a year in Cadbury's so both of us were working boys went to Claremont primary school so yeah the life settled then (laughs) yeah
0: you've had lots of jobs in um, Tasmania and what did you end up doing eventually sort of longer term
1: Longer time, longest term was probably the community services. Mm-hmm. The most exciting uh, was having own restaurant. Okay. Most diverse was the Cadbury's <laughs> and Piggery, <laughs> 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 going from the Piggery to Chocolate Factory.
0: So you've been back to the Czech Republic. What were some of the main differences that you noticed on returning there after so many years?
1: Well, the democracy has two faces, Mm -hmm. many faces, and I was... I'm so grateful that I am in uh, the system which has a uh, history and which is well embedded in society. Because, you know, going back, the people use the freedom in uh, very opportunistic ways. Okay. And it will take time. I, I think it's, you know, after what is well, 21 like... years now, <laughs> it's uh, getting better, but it still will take probably decade uh, until you know it settles in and awful awful stuff you know there and I felt very unsafe oh, in right. Europe very unsafe the the, the system overall it's uh, even even though it, it is called you know democratic system mm-hmm. it's so different and so corrupted it, it is mm. incredible openly corrupted you know the the yeah. people who's they who's got money can buy the justice system openly. People who were very enthusiastic and happy about the change, which would have been fantastic period for you know, first probably year mm-hmm. or so, now are bitter and disillusioned. You know that their living standards compared to the, well, you know they were communists. Now it's it's worse than it was before. So yeah, people right. are very disillusioned. The younger generation uh, who's got education now. Uh, and speaks several languages and has networking and connection and, and travels a lot. They are fantastic. There are and will be changes, but the older generation and people who grew up in the communist regime they suffer, they suffer badly.
0: I was going to ask a few questions about Czech culture versus Australian culture. What were were some of the main, the biggest differences that you noticed or experienced when you came to Australia compared to what you were Mm -hmm. used to in Czechoslovakia?
1: Well, the one thing was, you know, the socializing. So Mm -hmm. there is no unexpected visitors invited and people are only invited, and you have to announce oh, your here. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah, 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 okay. In, uh, in the Czech Republic, you could drop in to anyone's houses any time of the day or night, and yeah. you know, unless it's probably up to midnight, it's still okay. <laughs> it changed now as well, but before we left. Czech, Czechoslovakia, it was normal that friends would drop in and you would drop everything and sit with them and offer them and invite them to have meal. That, you know, would be normal that if Friends would come, you would feed them, you would give them your bedroom and you would sleep on couch. <laughs>
0: okay.
1: And here was it was strange that you would not visit people without arranging with them the time and you would come and, and also you know you would not be offered meal or food, you know, if you would come. And also, you know, mm. you would polite would be to bring something in the Czech Republic it would be rude if you bring something with you mm-hmm. you know it would be like you don't want my food. <laughs> <laughs> Eastern European families they're very close-knitted mm-hmm. and we always were saying that the one child is raised by whole village mm-hmm. because there are aunties and uncles you know oh, yeah. and everyone knows everyone and and you know people neighbors know each other very, you know, closely. Uh, and um, here I was surprised that um, at that time, now it's a bit different, the children are living, you know, when they are 16, they can mm. find accom- for find own accommodation. And that uh, grandparents and parents don't, you know, very often don't live together, which was very Often, you know, custom in in Czechoslovakia, or at least they were living close, very close, and children always looked after the older, elderly parents. So, yeah, so that um, you know, the the families were not in contact that often, and not Mm -hmm. you know living close as as uh, we used to live. So that was a bit strange for me. Also, when we were going to the adult migrant English service, you know, we would compare, you know, the situation with other people who arrived. And they were not only from East Europe, but also from Asia, from Vietnam at that time and so on. And we all had one very strange things happening and the same, everyone had it, dreams. Dreams waking up in the country of origin and being really, really scared that it's back again and cannot leave.
0: Yeah, right.
1: And we compared every single person who was, you know, in a classroom after we were able to communicate somehow, you know, had the same dream. Just waking up, you know, for me it was waking up in Czech. Czechoslovakia, and realizing that I am there, and my family is in Tasmania, and I I, I can't escape.
0: So in Australia, of course, it's really common for people to say to strangers how are you how are you doing that kind of thing but from what I gather in the Czech Republic that's not really what you do is that right? We wouldn't
1: say how are you if we you know met someone on the street we would say you know how is your family or how is your son or how is you know remember we you know asking how are you it just would not happen Mm. and it's it's funny we we were saying that we would hear that you know funny behavior that people ask you know and how are you and i would say i'm i'm having a really awful day Mm. or we would say i would say i'm having shitty day and the other person would say oh that's good that's good (laughs) to hear good to hear (laughs) you know because people really don't want answer (laughs) yeah so yeah there are different uh, little things uh, in behavior here when you especially when you walk in the morning somewhere and around neighborhood and you smile at people and sometimes even you know around Hobart you you go you smile at people and people smile back to you in Czech Republic I was Pulled over by my mom and say, please don't smile at everyone. People, <laughs> people think that there's something wrong with you. You know, you know, well, well, you, you go and you know around. I would walk their dog and I would smile and say good morning. And <laughs> what's wrong? You know, <laughs> does she want something from me? Or <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>